Thank you, everybody, for being here. This is a, a very special day, and uh, we're going to celebrate it with you and kind of just talk about the DNA and heart of this church in just a moment. But I know a lot of people have been asking a lot of questions about the building. Again, tonight, we, you're welcome to, to, to come over and help or come over and peek in. We'd love for you to get to see the, the, the new house. It's really exciting. A lot of people have asked questions like, uh, what, was the, what was the toughest part of, of the building process? And the, the, the honest truth is this, is that there have been so many decisions that had to be made and have to be made along the way. It's like every day there's a new decision. What kind of I-beam we're going to do? It's going to be steel, stainless steel, rotator, da-da-da-da, and things you don't know. I just am ready to get back to the days where the decisions are like, are we having Fruit Loops or Cheerios for breakfast? <laughs> That's going to be wonderful. And, uh, or is it going to be Voltron or is it going to be He-Man lunch pail to go to work today? But those are the easy decisions in life. Um, God is good. God is good. We, we did a walkthrough yesterday with some people. They walk, we, were, we were walking through, and we have this really cool room called the cry room, right? And this is where if you have a crying baby, you can take the baby, and the, the, the glass is soundproof, and so on and so forth. And so we, 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 they're like, what is this? And we said, a cry room. And they seriously were like, are we not allowed to cry anymore in church? Is that where this church is going? We can't cry in church anymore? You're going to stuff us in a room? I was like, exactly. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I tried to explain. But anyways, it's so fun. There's so, there's so many new little things. And, and uh, this, is a, this is a house that the Lord has opened up for us. This is a God thing. And we're so, so thankful uh, that we get to share these moments, these seasons, and this next step of faith with you all. It is such a pleasure. And to be able to today, maybe for a few minutes, uh, just remember so many of the great moments in this house and uh, if you, some of you remember several years ago when the actual entryway was these doors. There was actual uh, little platform stage right over here and a little baptismal over there and a little uh, nursery over there and some restrooms here. And, and it, it, was just a, it was just a nice, awesome mess of a madhouse. And uh, kids cry, just it bled over. There was no ceiling anywhere, so all the noise just came over. You flush a toilet, just came right over. In the auditorium, it was wonderful, amen. It was just like we knew everyone's business, total transparency in the church. And we finally fixed that. But anyways, <laughs> um, we've, we've been through so many stages, remodels, and, and so it's just, it's just one of those moments where you're just like, man, there's been so many wins and so many, so many great things that God has done. And I want to speak into that today. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to 1 King chapter, uh, Kings chapter 10, starting at verse 1. And what I want to do today is I want to kind of identify the DNA of this house. I want to kind of speak to it, speak um, about it. I want uh, us to kind of recognize it together uh, because there's an idea that I want to present to you that um, what is special about this place was never a building. Well, what's special about this house has never been a building. And what will be special about the next house we're in will never be the building itself. And so we're going to look at 1 Kings 10 and verse 1. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him 
with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue and the camels bearing spices and very, uh, very much gold, I don't know if that's right, and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on the table, the seating of the officials, the attendant of the servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, his burnt offerings that he'd offered to the house of the Lord, there was no breath in her, or literally it means took her breath away. Literally that moment was like breathtaking for her when she beheld all the things that were happening. And then it says, and she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom but I did not believe the reports until I came, and mine own eyes have seen it. And behold, the half was not told to me. Like, I, I got a commercial, but I didn't know how great this was. And so today we're going to talk about something that's going to kind of maybe at the beginning, this title may throw you off a little bit, but here's my title, The Environmental Protection Agency. I'm asking you to join the Environmental Protection Agency of the Promise Center. We are going to fight for environments. We're going to fight for spaces. We're going to fight for atmospheres that I believe God wants to, one, bring with us, and two, create in our new space for the glory of God. Amen? Heavenly Father, we open our hearts today to your word. Let your word fall into good ground and bring forth much fruit. We thank you for this moment that we can pause and reverence you and reverence your glory and reverence all that you've done and looking to the future, believing the best is yet to come in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. All right, I got to give a big welcome to uh, my cousin Logan. Would you stand, Logan Keller, all the way from H Town? Cool guy. Graduated uh, UT, from UT University of Texas. A very smart dude. Um, he plays like uh, forty-nine instruments. He says that I am the cousin and the family member that has been meant the most to him, kind of shepherded him, guided him in life. So I'm here to say you're welcome. All right. <laughs> That's I just public, you're welcome, always goes far. Glad you're here. Actually, last week I was like, are you my cousin or are you not my cousin? I need you for a week to help clean dirt off the walls at the new building. He's like, I'll take a week off of work and come be with you. So he's here. What an awesome dude. Yeah. There was no guilt trip involved. All right. How many here, how many here have you've been invited to a place, a space, uh, a house, uh, uh, an event, and you arrived, and as soon as you got there, you were thinking of how you can leave as quick as possible. <laughs> Has anybody ever had that experience before? I mean, you're just like, babe, fake a heart attack right now. Fake a heart attack. I mean, you will do anything. Like, hey, we got to feed the cat. We don't even have a cat. Well, we gotta feed the- we'll buy a cat. I don't even care. Just get me out of here, right? And, and I think all of us can, can we, I think all of us can identify with the difference between like going to a place and a space where there's hospitality, you know, there's great intention. We were, we were planning on you being here. We knew you were coming. It wasn't like a last minute like Febreze the house, stuff, stuff under the carpet. Like we knew you were coming. Our attention is on you. It's not like, oh, what are you doing here? We're glad you're. Oh yeah. And, and, but but you felt like a VIP when you showed up, right? 
You felt like, hey, this is a, I could be, I could stay here forever, you know. I could, I could hang out, put my feet up on the coffee table and just kick it with you guys forever, right? And then you know what it's like to be like, I've got to get out of here. This is driving me nuts. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel, I don't feel like this is a place where like my, my mind is scattered. My OCD is going crazy. If that's ever happened to you, it happens to me every once in a while, and you're just thinking of how do I push the eject button. And all of us have been in those situations. And unfortunately, many of us have been in those situations when it comes to the house of the Lord, Coming to church, you're like, oh my goodness, we've. How do we get out of here? You're like, you know, fake a heart attack, gotta feed the feed the cat, or you're like, this is amazing. Like, I never want to leave. Like, this is a special place. I don't know what it is, but there's something different about this place. And so today, I want to kind of speak to the DNA of our of, of my wife and I's heart for this house. And again, what is special about this place has nothing to do with the building. It has to do with what exists between us. Like the community here, the faith that exists in your heart, your willingness to open your life up to people that you don't know, people that maybe out in in real life would be like, I, I would probably not have a lot in common with them, but we've opened our life and engrafted our lives together to see something beautiful transpire. And when people come into this house... They sense it, they feel it, they know something's different, and it's special. You can't manufacture it, you can't fake it, right? You know when it's there, and you certainly know when it's not there. Uh, one, of the, one of the most famous places for the intentionality of the experience and hospitality is Disneyland. Anybody, any Disneyland fans in the house? Got hand, two hands back here, Blake, glad you're back visiting for the weekend. Got two hands, all right? We got many one-handers, some two-handers. The thing about Disney, and many of you know this, is like Disney is very emphatic about the experience being awesome every day for everyone. So every night they get the the Mickey Mouse and they touch him up. Even if he doesn't really need it, they're going to have someone go. And every night when the the, the park is closed, they're going to look and make sure that it's all good and there's no scuffs and no no kid has like got a key and put a gash on Mickey Mouse. Like they're going to make sure that everyone's experience is awesome. Uh, also, what's really cool, I was reading a book years ago uh, about the Disney experience and one of the things that kind of stuck out to me, the author um, said, he said, we have 40,000 employees. He said, guess how many of the 40,000 employees are janitors? And so he says, many think 10,000, some even guess 20,000. He said, 40,000 janitors at Disneyland. Why? Because in everyone's contract from the CEO down to the janitor, everybody has to pick up trash. If you walk by trash, it is your job to pick it up because we own not just the room but the entire house. Everyone is a cast member. Everyone's an owner. Everyone takes ownership of the experience. So I thought that was pretty interesting. When I think of environments, I think of the lessons that Jesus taught. I think about words that he said like, um, everybody out and you're thinking, that, that doesn't sound nice. Well, he did this to a house. It was Jairus's home. And there was a 12-year-old girl who just passed away. And there was a bunch of people in the room full of doubt. They were mourning. And Jesus says, we're going to clear the space. I want to get the right environment for a miracle. Because the, vi- the environment is just as important as the faith that is needed for the miracle. And so he clears the house, gets all the mourners out. And, of course, you know, mourners who get kicked out of a house probably mourn even more. So you got mourners that are mourning for real now and all 
mad because they were kicked out of the house. And Jesus is like, i got to clear the air. i got to create an environment that is conducive to the miracle that's going to happen. So we see in Jesus' ministry the mindset of how important an environment is. When God created in Genesis chapter 1, he filled the darkness. Like he changed the atmosphere. In Acts chapter 2, whenever the, the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, the Bible says before he filled anyone's hearts, he filled the room where they were sitting. So he filled the environment before he filled the people. And so environments are huge. It's a huge thing that maybe even we forget about sometimes, like what we're feeling. And let me just say this, like what we feel here on a Sunday and what we feel here in groups and what we feel as an extension of all the ministries, like that doesn't come unintentionally. That comes with people who have dug the well and that have stayed committed and stayed in the pocket and and. and and have, have, have covered this church in prayer and sacrifice. All that comes through a great process, and, a, and, and, and it comes with a great cost. Like, there are some people in this room, they've just got the heart of prayer because they just want the atmosphere to be open. When people far from God come into this house, they want there to be a liberty. These are amazing people who th that's just all their heart is. You love them, but you never ask them to pray for the meal because they'll pray like 20 minutes for a meal. So, But they're praying for this house. Like, they prayed for this service. And they've just got a heart for the house because they know how important an environment is. And an environment is something that has to be intentional. In fact, a lot of times whenever I, I talk with couples or I talk with families, I, a lot of times I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. I'll say, what's the environment of the home? Like, what's the environment? Many times that's, a, that's the indicator of, of the root. Sometimes it's, it, it is the root of, of the issue, is environments. Because an environment dictates what is allowed and what is not allowed in a space, right? Like, like my dad comes in and, and visits, and my dad, like, doesn't just know trees and plants, but he knows, like, the Latin words for them. Like, just super green thumb kind of nerd planter dude that he's just awesome like that. He's like, this is the da 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 da, -da. It's a cousin with the da 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 da, -da. And all I'm like, I'm like, cool, should we get one? And he's like, no, because it won't grow here. And, 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 and he'll talk to me about, like, certain plants that will grow in Texas, that won't grow here or vice versa. There's certain trees and plants that just because of the ecosystem, because of the environment, it's not conducive to the life. So when I choose my environment, I'm choosing what has permission to exist and I'm choosing what has permission to exit or to leave. And so when we decide what kind of environment in our home and in our church, what we're really doing is saying we're choosing what we're allowing. We want a, a culture of honor. We want a culture where people far from God can come in and not get knocked over the head with a Bible and a bunch of rules going, you sinner, far from God, come now or burn forever, you know, and, and give them an opportunity to feel God's presence. His presence begin to break down walls, and all of a sudden they've gone to church before, they've done the whole religious thing before, and for the first time now it's starting to make sense because the environment was right. It wasn't a building and it wasn't how many people in the building. It was the environment of love and peace and honor that opened the door for the great things of God. So we're a part of, my, my heart, my wife's heart is like we're constantly fighting for the environment. We're constantly protecting the environment. Like we don't mind if you have a bad attitude and have a bad day, but don't. We're not going to let that turn into uh, something that ultimately changes the environment. 
We want to, we're constantly like, we're getting doubt out. We're getting fear out because we want to make, just like Jesus with Jairus, we want to make sure the air is clear. We want to make sure there's faith in the house because when that person who we've been praying for, when you've been praying for, that guest that you bring and, 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 and they come into a place that's stifled and religion and everybody's like, like segregated and it's awkward, won't talk to them, won't act, won't, you know, talking about the church and you walk out and you overhear someone complaining about something, guess what? Heart goes hard, and we go, oh, yeah, that's church, that's church. But when you come into a place that honors God, loves his presence, there's hugs and handshakes and fist bumps and high fives and love, and not just, fr- not just fake friendly, but the true bond that you can feel, look in each other's eyes and go, where are you from? How'd you get here? What's God doing in your life? And you walk into that experience, there's an environment that takes place, and that is the environment that breaks all those religious bondages and chains and predispositions that allows the word and the power of God to be efficacious in people's lives. So I hope you're seeing this. We are here to protect the environment, and it's not a building. We're taking this environment with us to the new building because it was never sheetrock and, and concrete. It was you. It was us the entire time. That's what makes this house special. Because the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in his name, guess what? The environment begins to change, or at least it should change. All of a sudden, the king of kings is in the house. All of a sudden, there's faith in the house. All of a sudden, we start thinking less of ourselves, and we start thinking more of others. Why? Because the environment changes everything. Things that have been laying in our hearts dormant, now we're in his presence, and it's the right environment, and that seed of faith all of a sudden begins to germinate and spring up. We go, how did it happen? It's been... it's. So we, you heard that message when you were a kid. Yeah, but I got in the right environment, and the things that were planted in my heart finally have an environment that this can grow and spring up. The environment is so important. And I think the church world has it kind of all wrong. Like, we think that the problem is information, that if we just give people more information, we'll fix people, Right? Like if we can just if we can just tell you more, we can just get you in a chair, lock you down. We'll do church for three hours and just give you more information. How many has ever been to a church like that, where you're like two hours and thirty minutes? You're like Jesus, be a fence right now. I'm about to backslide and pray back through in this one service. You know it's true. Very few people who need a toothbrush care the history of a toothbrush. Nobody who's drowning cares what the Greek word for life preserver is. They just want a life preserver. We have over-informed people. I'm not against information, and I'm certainly not against sound doctrine. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this, is that that first touch, when people come into a space, when they come into our home, and they feel like, hey, I belong here. These, this is not somebody else's you know, family reunion that I'm going to, and I don't know anybody. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody's name, and I'm the stranger. But when I'm welcomed and cared for and thought of, all of a sudden it changes the dynamics in your heart. This is the key to the gospel is creating environments where lost people can hear the sound word that is making sense among the people. And it's one thing when you make these big bodacious statements and you're like, yeah, God, God is love. And then you look at the people that are supposed to love God and they don't even love each other. And you're like, the frequency's off. You ever watch an old movie and like the words and the, the video's off? Does that drive anybody crazy? You're like, 
stop, you know. Someone fix this, you know. In Jesus' name, straighten up. And sometimes what we're saying and what it looks like is so different. And, 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 and the, the, the secret in the sauce, I believe this, the secret in the sauce, whether it's a small group, whether it's a large gathering, whether it's, whether it's a, 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 a medium-sized gathering, a ladies, whatever it is, the environment is going to determine what can be produced in that moment. I mean, God can always override, and I get that. I get that. God, you're like, Pastor, but you don't know God is large and in charge. He's sovereign. He can just boom, shakalaka. I get that. But there's a lot of people going to religious churches, and they're rejecting the Lord in the name of the church. When the church, the Bible says, this is supposed to be the environment where God lives. In fact, I got a scripture for you if you don't believe me. I got to back it all up with scripture. Ephesians chapter 1 and 23. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. This has to be the place. Our new building is not about the cry room or the, the more space. I've told the Lord, my wife, this has been our prayer literally for two years, two and a half years. Lord, if you don't go with us, we don't go. Like, we don't even care. Like, give us a, give us a, a small trailer. We'll have church. It would be weird, but it'd be, still we do, we, we do like 30 services, I guess, or to gatherings. We're just like, next. You know, I don't know. But we don't care. The building's nothing. It's, it's, it's the environment. All these hearts knit. All these pe- people connected. And I feel like many times, and again, I'm, I hope I'm not coming across the church, the church, the church. I, this is, I'm, I'm like speaking back into my heart. I can never want to get to a place where I forget about that. Where I forget like, like what makes a place special. Right? Because I've been to church. I've been, I, I grew up in church and i never forget. I'm going to tell this, and I hope if you're watching Old Sunday School Teacher, I love you. I'm not going to give your name, but you know who you are. And I had some great Sunday School Teachers, and I had one person. I'm not going to say if they're male or female, but they had, I had one person who just, like, they were just tough. Like, I literally at one time thought that my name was Stop It, because that's all they ever said to me. Stop it. Stop it. I was like, is my name Stop It? I don't know what's happening here. New teacher comes in a couple months later. It's like, breath of fresh air, sitting on my level, looking, me and the kid, we're like, this is what it's supposed to be like. And I know that's a silly reference, but it's so real. It's like, I never want to go to church again. I love church. Don't ever use that, the, stop it. But anyways, um, I just have a passion for environments that change people. I just think there's something special when we gather together in his name. I love this story how a person who's far from Jerusalem and, if you will, far from God comes and it's like, I want to see this. I mean, I've heard about this. This is, this is like too good to be true. She steps in and literally her breath is taken away. She's like, oh, this is better than I thought. This is better than I heard. 
And she was able to glorify God. And what she rarely even mentioned, she mentions the building, but it wasn't the building. It was all the stuff happening inside the building. It was all the people in their place, servants and leaders and all the things that were coming together in order the reverence. She goes, how happy everybody is. Like people are actually happy to be here. They're happy to serve. They're happy to get rid of a title and get their towel and literally serve one another. I can't take it. She's like, I got to get out of here. I will die because I can't breathe in this place. It's so amazing. Imagine that moment where something so spectacular ultimately makes her go, And I praise the Lord. I praise Yahweh through what is happening in this place. Amen? Amen. Now let me take a little, I'm going to take a little right turn, then we'll go, we'll keep going the same direction. We're going to be on the, the, the parallel lane. None of this happens unintentionally. Like, like all the things that we enjoy. Like, I, I, all the time I people come and say, like, hey, oh, my goodness, it was so wonderful. Like, people shook my hand. People remembered my name. People, people were so friendly. It's like, this is an amazing place. Like, like, it was, like, they tell me this. I don't even know why. they Like, it wasn't the preaching that kept me. It was the place was so kind. I'm like, thank you. You could have said that to somebody else. <laughs> Lie to me, you know. Lie to me. You'll be forgiven. <laughs> Just, it's like, the, this place, this place. And so. I want to rehearse to you what Jesus told his disciples. John chapter 13 and 14 says this. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. Now that you've you've had the experience, you're like, this is amazing. So cool that being served and feeling clean and, and loving the experience, you also now need to grab your towel and wash one another's feet. Like, it's time to get in the game. It's time to be a part of the Environmental Protection Agency and say, you know what? I want to be a part of making a space great, making a place full of the glory of God, whether it's on a prayer team that comes two hours early to church and prays over the building every Sunday morning, or whether it's serving in the nursery, holding someone's baby, burping a baby so a mom and dad can be in this house and experience God. Greeting team, you know, again, you're not good with names. I don't care. I wasn't good with babies. But I, then I, we had one, and then I had to be good with them. And I was able to walk in the dark downstairs and put together a formula bottle in the dark and walk up and feed the baby, Joshua, who had colic, still working through it because that colic really was tough, tougher on me probably than the mom. No, I'm just kidding. That was a terrible thing, definitely t- more harder on the mom. But who's ready? Who's ready? Let's get ready for a baby. You can't be ready for a baby till you have a baby. Let's get, people are like, hey, it's going to be tough. You're going to be up at night. I'm like, not my baby. <laughs> Favor ain't fair. Then you have a baby. You're like, Jesus, be a fence right now. <laughs> like, I don't, know if I, can, I don't know if I can serve. I don't know. Get in the game, and you'll learn how to do it. It'll be awesome. <laughs> this is a call to action saying, be a part of it. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. So many people, you know, people come, get delivered. Guess what? When you get delivered, this is your calling. Help other people get delivered. You get set free, help other people get set free. You have a passion for prayer, help other people get a passion for prayer. You have a heart for God's house, help other people get a passion for God's house. I got a little video, one of my favorite videos, Megan O'Brien. 
we got a video here we're going to put up right now. This is one of my favorite, favorite vi videos, movies, and this is one of my favorite scenes. We're going to put this up right now. I love that scene. I can watch it every day. Or maybe I do watch it every day. What if we're like the guy with the canteen full of water? What if we're the church that has the answer and we're so oblivious? Like what if this community is the environment that people need for their hearts to be healed? And we're totally oblivious to it. I saw this the other day. I was like, I don't want to be that guy who is totally oblivious to the need around him. You have living water inside of you. You have gifts and you have talents and you have a calling upon your life. Everyone in this room, you have a calling over your life. I'm asking you to join in and be part of the team. Be a part of what makes this house special. It ain't me. It ain't the building. It's what God does in our midst. It's the people who have committed to each other. Because what's easy is, is to the, do the attendance thing where you, you're willing to attend, but you're not willing to commit. It's like, I will date the church forever. I know there's tons of churches. I get it. I get that there are tons of churches all around, and there's, no, there's, not, there's you know, one body, but there are churches. And God does it this way. Just like he does small groups, he does churches, he has assemblies, and there's a certain flair, there's a certain reason for it all. I don't understand how God does it and why he does it that way. But you got to find some place to commit to. Some house to say, you know what, we're going to fight. Like, like Abraham, when he puts those, those, that sacrifice on the altar and the buzzers try to come and take that sacrifice, someone who's going to fight the buzzers in the air and say, not this sacrifice. We're going to protect what we put on the altar. Someone who's going to commit to the house. Someone who's going to commit to the assembly. Someone who's going to commit to a vision to reach people far from God. Somebody who's going to say, we'll be a part, even if it's a small part. Because what's easy is for us to defer to someone else and say, somebody else has got it. Someone, or they don't need what I have. We need what you have. I need what you have. You need what I have. We're a part of the body of Christ. So I'm, I'm, I'm urging you, compelling you as we move into a new building and a new season. Like, join us. 
and helping create environments that are life-giving and life-changing. Not transactional, but transformational because of what exists between us, because of the vision and the commitment and the heart for God's house. I love this verse that David, Psalms 69 and 9, for the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. Like David just had a zeal for God's house. David had a zeal for the things of God. David wanted to be in God's presence no matter what it took. I want that environment. He was able to play a harp and create an environment around a backslidden king. He was able to worship in caves and create an environment. And he was the perfect one to design a house where God's presence would be. And so that, that this is the house. We are the house. We are God's building. It was never a structure. It was always us. Amen? It was always us. It was always us. This is my last plea, and then we'll, we'll stand and we'll do a, a prayer. I believe that saved people serve people. I believe that the greatest calling that you'll ever have on your life is to be a servant. There's a scripture in the Bible, and I want to read it out of the book of Mark. Mark chapter 10 and 45. It says this, this is what the Son of Man has done. This is it. He came to serve, not to be served. And then to give away his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. Are you ready for this? This is what he did. He served, and this is how he served. That word in the original for is anti, which basically means he didn't just die for you. He died as you. He became you. You died on that cross 2,000 years ago. He knows what it's like to be you. And the greatest way to serve someone is to step into their experience. What does it feel like to be far from God, broken and wanting answers in life, and to walk into a religious system where there are no answers? No wonder people don't believe in God. I've been talking to a friend from the gym who's an atheist and I finally said, dude, what happened? I know you didn't get to this equation without some experience. So I went to a church, and to date the girl at the church, I had to get baptized. And they shoved it down my throat, and they made me feel bad for not being ready to do it. And they pushed and pushed and pushed. And it never was in my heart. It was in my head. Fine, I'll do it. And it just didn't make sense. And here's all that I'm saying. Religion's not going to work. Religiosity's not going to work. More rules and information's not going to work. But here's what the Bible says never fails. Are you ready? Love never fails. It never has, and it never will.